Welcome to the Campfire Conversation Podcast. I'm your host, Cole Kelly. Ask almost anybody who's been to summer camp, whether they be kids or staff members, and they'll tell you, it is awesome. They will also tell you through their words, but mostly through their actions, that they learn a ton while there too. As a longtime camp director, youth sport coach, and father to three growing young men, I know the lessons that we learn at camp can be hugely beneficial for all of us back home in the real world. So, each week, I'll spend some time around the digital campfire talking with professionals from inside and around the summer camp world. We'll share their lessons, their ideas, and their practices in a way that I hope will be immediately useful for your life back home. So, pull up a seat, get your marshmallow ready to roast, and let's spend some time learning together around the campfire. Why? It's a question that we get a lot from young kids and more and more from our older ones, too. Young people want to know how things work, and just as important, they want to know the why behind it all. As my guest, Jolly Corley, explains, it's up to us adults to know the why before we get out there and start teaching and leading and parenting. I recently met Jolly at the ACA Southeastern Camp Conference. By the end of her session, I had multiple pages of notes, and I knew that I had to keep the conversation going. Along with being a very involved mom, Jolly is the assistant director at Camp Robindale, a wonderful girls' camp in New Hampshire who focuses her time on hiring and developing their staff members. She's also a leadership educator for teams and organizations during the quote-unquote off-season, and she's a member of the American Camp Association Task Force for 21st Century Skills. We talk about several points that I found particularly interesting at her ACA Southeastern talk. The fact that common sense is really not that common. Learning not to make kids say, I'm sorry. That was a big one for me. Some camp-earned lessons as a parent, and we wound up talking about a bunch of great books that we've really enjoyed. Thankfully, we didn't get to everything that I wanted to discuss, which means that I get to have Jolly back in the future. I hope you'll enjoy this campfire conversation with my new friend, Jolly Corley. Jolly Corley, so happy to have you around the campfire. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. So it's funny, we were just talking about how you're in Minnesota uh, and I'm in Georgia and you like the idea of having a campfire right now. I was just going to say that when you said, thanks for being around. I'm like, I need the campfire. Believe me, (laughs) it's chilly here in Minnesota already and it's only October. Oh my gosh. Well, it's it's chilly up at camp as well. So, you know, our camp is in Pennsylvania and it's it's already quite chilly up there too. So Mm -hmm. campfire is always a good thing, whether it's warm or cool, it's always a good thing. Um, so you. I had such a great time listening to you give a, um, a presentation at the ACA Southeastern Conference in Tampa um, a little while ago, and you, you talked about a couple of things that I thought were really interesting, and I, I wanted to get more into that. Um, and from just to kind of set the stage, I've got a couple of teenagers and about to have one more, and we always talk about the decisions that they're making mm. and why are they making this, and we come back as parents like, but that's common sense. And, and you made a comment that it's, it's not common sense. Yeah. Why, do you, why do you say that? Well, I think common sense, just with the word in it, is common, which I understand why we say it, because we know that information. When we're saying it, we're saying, like, everybody should know that. It's common. But common also means that we have things in, in common with each other. Mm-hmm. So common sense, um, and, and, you know, this is what I was discussing at the conference, is only common for those people who have those things in common. Mm -hmm. So for example, um, myself, um, which is, I I believe the example I gave at the conference too, I am a Gen X 
white woman who grew up on a farm in Indiana. So if I run into any other Gen X farm girls from Indiana, we do have a common language, a common sense of things and how they work and, and what our parents might say that were common because we were all in that same area, whether, you know, it's education that's common, it's socioeconomics that are common, it's a racial makeup, it's a, it's a faith. So if you think mm -hmm. about those people who follow a faith religion uh, or religion, mm -hmm. there is a commonality. If you go to that temple or to that church or, or you know, that mm -hmm. mosque or anything, there is a common sense, right? Because everyone knows this is when we stand. Here's when we sing this. Uh, families do have some common sense. And I think it's fair enough to say to our teenagers, when we know they know, uh, that's <laughs> common sense. Because in our house, we have a curfew. Right? right, that we've discussed. But to just say when they make a mistake that is a growing pain, right, that's, that's part of it is to be like, oh my God, that's just common sense. Mm -hmm. One, it makes them feel stupid, right? Well, it is because I didn't know that. That yes. is, and I don't think that's what we're meaning to do. We want them to grow, we want them to be uh, good citizens, uh, mm -hmm. we want them to be good people. But I don't think it helps for us to say, well, that's just common sense and leave it at that because. Okay, well, I, I didn't know that. So I, I think it, it's not a fair. And then I think then what we do is we tell our kids there's a common sense, mm -hmm. right? So then as they grow and people do things differently, that's where I think we get into conflict because they look at that person when they get into a job. And, well, it's common sense. Well, really? Right. I mean, that's, that's because it's common sense in your house and your, mm -hmm. your culture that you, your family has created within that. Um, anyway. So yeah, I, I really, I get a little, I get a little crazy when people are like, well, it's common sense. I'm well, like, and it's funny, you know, as a camp director, again, you know, I've done this 18 years and you, you've been camping for a long time as well. And so when we're, we're training our staff members, you know, which are these wonderful 19 to 22 year old young men and women from all over the place, and they don't know how to plunge a toilet or what to do when the toilet's clogged up. My first thought is, ah, it's common sense, but it's truly not for them. Mm -mm, no. And the whole camp experience, unless they were a camper. Right. Uh, so, and there's different levels of what we would say is common sense. So I'd rather uh, say there's a common knowledge, common language, because when we can say, is there a common language, you know, whether it's the lingo we use at camp, because even you and I, with our camps, if we were to look at them, there would be things that were common, right? We, we, we may each have campfire times when our whole entire camp is around that campfire. So when we said, oh, Sunday night we had our campfire, you might get a sense of what that is. Mm -hmm. um, and so there may be a common knowledge and understanding of what that means. But then within our camp, there's common. So those first year staff who are coming into that, who've never been to a camp, mm -hmm. um, and there's different levels. So you have staff who've never even been to a camp. So mm -hmm. they literally have no common sense of this. There may right. be common sense that we uh, are kind to each other. I think that's mm -hmm. okay to say there's a, that's common. Yeah, we yes. Uh, but I think those other things we have to just, you know, there's different levels. A, a kid who maybe went to a different kind of camp has mm -hmm. a little bit more, but there's still, everyone is, is gaining that knowledge. And unless we, we, we help them. And we, if we just stick to that, oh, it's common sense. We're not doing ourselves um, a service either with our own children, teenagers, because I also have teenagers, yeah. um, or with the staff that we're training um, and that we're hoping are going to be successful because we, we just kind of keep leaving it at this weird common sense that, you know, and it's a funny, it's a funny enough comment. You know, what is common is that people, especially older generations, no matter which older generation will say it's common. I remember my grandparents saying it's common sense. And you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, so it was common for people who, you know, were 
born in the 20s or, right. or, or whatever, um, lived through yeah. the depression, right? There right. was this sense. And so each generation is also impacted uh, by whatever is common for that. So whether it's the depression and it's just common sense that you would save this and you wouldn't throw that away. And, uh, or if you're in the seventies, you know, there's just all different levels of common Mm -hmm. sense and it's just not fair, um, to leave it at that. I don't think we give, we give any benefit to anybody. when we. So, so how do we combat that? You think, you know, both as, as parents and as camp Mm -hmm. people, how do we set up a situation where it's more of a level playing field and all right, I've got the experience and in and, and this area and you don't, and you've got the experience of that area and I don't. So how, how can we bridge that divide? Yeah, I think there's a lot of things. Um, I think modeling behavior mm-hmm. as parents, and it's super hard, <laughs> it's super hard because we have this way we want our children to behave. <laughs> uh, nope. And, um, you know, I, yeah. And, and, and yet if we actually really honestly looked at our behaviors, they don't always match what we're asking our kids to do. Mm. So I'll give you an example. Um, I am super, and it just literally happened uh, this morning. So I am (laughs) the worst. My husband does our laundry. I I am the worst. I cannot, well, for whatever reason, doing the laundry, uh, I can do it like a load, right? But to do the ongoing I just have other things I'm doing. It is not on the top of my list. I'm really horrible. Well, yesterday I asked my daughter because I was going out and I knew there was some laundry that was in transition that my husband had started. And I said to her, "Um, can you, you know, I said very clearly, you know, take that stuff out of the dryer, put this, you know, hang whatever needs to be hung, whatever. I gave her the very specifics. Well, this morning my husband went down there and he's like, okay, none of the laundry. we got to redo it because of course it's sitting wet. Oh, yeah. It was frustrating. And I remember starting to have the conversation with my daughter about like, look, when I ask you to, and then I was like, okay, so you do not model this behavior. You're going to sit here and ask. And I just took it back and said, yep, I get it. You got busy and you forgot about it. Like our laundry room is not in the center of our house, right? Where right. you have to walk by it. It's in a very, it's where laundry rooms are, right? Like not in the, yeah. and so I had to stop myself and just be like, okay, like I can't, I can't, and I think that's one way that we can have the discussion. Like, here's the reason why the laundry needs to happen. This is a really simple little thing, mm-hmm. you know, because it gets smelly. We have to redo it. It takes more time. So right. I think very often explaining why something is the way it is, not just mm-hmm. common sense, mm-hmm. uh, explaining the why. Uh, and even if we don't do it, why it would be important, right? So mom didn't do it either. Right. And now we have to do the laundry again. It's frustrating for Papa who now doesn't have whatever he had and he started it. He was nice. Sure. You know, he does it most of the time. He was nice to start it, asked us to do it and we yeah. didn't do it. Um, so I think that is one way is to model that and to be really clear and be honest with our kids when we don't model the behavior that mm-hmm. we want, because mm-hmm. then we, we start to say here, it's important. I messed up and it's okay when you mess up. Yeah. Um, so I think that, I also think setting expectations. Um, I think, I think it, there used to be these really set times. If you think about maybe, and maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but hear me out and see if you agree with this. I think there used to be this like set time of when you talk to people about things, kids, right? Right. Like the birds and the bees and the, you know, and there were these like set times. Whereas I think now generationally that switched, right? Some parents will talk much earlier about things. Some Mm -hmm. people are, there's just not, again, a common sense that we may have had as a society due to whatever 
it was, mm-hmm. you know, a time period or whatever. And I don't think we have that as much anymore. And, um, and so setting expectations, my husband and I, for my son's curfew, um, our kids didn't really have a curfew because they didn't drive anywhere. I mean, there wasn't sure. like, we had to pick them up. So right. we would say, so we didn't say you. your curfew is right. We would yeah. be like, we're going to pick you up at nine. So there was not this conversation of curfew. Whereas when I was much younger than them, I don't know, we rode around and rode our bikes places and we went. And so there was this very clear, like, you need to be home at this time because there was, I was out there by myself. Um, and so when he got his driver's license and the first time he went off by himself, I, he left. We never had the conversation. And Chris and I looked at each other and were like, did you say anything about when he should be home? <laughs> and that's when you cross your fingers and someone like me who sits here and says there's no such thing as common sense says oh please let there be common sense like, <laughs> I, I don't know what the common sense and the funny thing is, is Chris and I were not clear like we had not really had that discussion like what's the common sense like what when should he be home mm-hmm. uh, luckily now with cell phones whatever you right. can text and be like oh sure. by the way we forgot to tell you please yep. be home at whatever time but I think setting those expectations uh, before it happens because that's yeah. the other thing I think we do it with staff too Mm. Um, we don't, we like react rather than be, we're proactive. And so I think anytime we can set up, um, and be clear the why, why do, does our family have these values? So how does a curfew fit into that value? Mm -hmm. Um, or our purpose as parents, keeping you safe, helping you grow. Um, and there's been this trend and, you know, I do think it's going back again. There's always these pendulum where, um, and there, this is, when I say a trend, it's not like when I was a kid, there weren't parents who were like the friend parents, you know, that was there, but there seemed to be a trend where, Oh, I, you might, you know, I want my kids to like me rather sure. than I'm parenting them. And as a parent, I get it. I'm it's super hard. You want them to love you. And, um, uh, but when we keep the, why we are a parent and our purpose mm-hmm. kind of at the core, to me, it becomes much easier. And then the conversation becomes easier when I say, I know that you think I'm a jerk right now because I'm asking you or, or telling you that this is what you have to do. Sure. The, the reason why I'm telling you this is because I need you to understand how to keep yourself safe or, you know, et cetera. So mm-hmm. when they know why, doesn't mean they're not going to like roll their eyes and stomp up the stairs. Sure. Annoyed still, but at least I know they know why. Yep. Um, and it kind of comes down to that, um, I think I mentioned, and you had it in your notes too, about that sorry, like mm-hmm. not making your kids say sorry. Um, and I learned that years and years and years ago before I had kids, mm-hmm. uh, that I wish I remembered who said that. And I think it was at a camp thing, you know, it, I, I probably was 22 years old. Uh, and I remember being like, that is such a great point that why do we make kids say sorry? Uh, because they do it in this <laughs> That they do it and they're like, sorry, and the roll of the eyes. And it just makes the other kid feel even worse when we say, say sorry. Um, and that, those are the kind of expectations I'm saying is I wanted my kids to learn. And I remember I, I did that with my, the campers I work with, I still do. And I remember when I had kids, that was like something that just stuck out in my brain. Like, I'm not going to have them do that. Um, I'm going to say, you know, you need to take some time because it wasn't nice. Like pointing mm-hmm. out, like that was mm-hmm. not like, I'm just letting them be rude. Um, and then I would say things like, I hope that when you're sorry, you'll be able to find the words to tell, tell the person this. And um, it's hard, but I thought I did bring this because I thought uh, one of the things as a parent, when we do that, there are, if we can be consistent and be really clear on our purpose and why we're doing something, I think then you see it, 
it's like an 18, 25 year growth <laughs> investment, right? <laughs> and you're like, I sure hope this is going to work. But when you're really clear on why you do it, and I thought I'd bring this because uh, I don't know if you can see yeah. this. The, so it says, sorry, mommy, I love you. Yes. And the sorry is spelled S-A-R-E-E. <laughs> and this was um, one of those times when my daughter, who must have been pretty like, she's 14 now. So uh, she, she definitely, I hope, can spell sorry now. Um, but I just thought, uh, I have a whole bunch of these. And I never, ever said the way that she should apologize is writing a note. Yep. And if you knew anything about me and anybody who's listening will totally, um, that knows me will be like, nope, that's not jolly writing notes. I mean, like, I don't even write birthday cards. I'm like the worst <laughs> about that. But this was her way. And so she says, sorry, I did not mean to be mean. I was really hungry. I really love you, mommy. <laughs> she was hangry. Yes. And she spells it H-G-R. I mean, there's a lot. If you saw the, the, awesome. the real, the really is R-I-L-E. So she was pretty little when she wrote this. Sure. Um, R-I-L-E is really. But this was her way. And that was one of the things when you, you get that letter, even when they're literally you're like, okay, they get it. Mm -hmm. uh, because I could have said to her wherever we were at the store, to be honest, I, I don't remember. I remember this little note that she wrote me. I sure. don't remember the instant at all. Um, but Instead of me saying to her, like, you apologize. I mean, that was rude what you did in the store, whatever it was. Um, you know, I just said it hurt my feelings when you were uh, mean in the store, whatever it was. And I only know this, even though I don't remember that, because that's what I do every time. If it's at me or at another, like, I, I bet that hurt that child's feelings or mm -hmm. that, your brother or whoever. And I hope that when you had some time to think about it and you feel better, right? She, she points out what it was. She was hungry. Sure. We all know you, like you said, hangry. Yep. And if we can be empathetic, and that's the other thing about common sense is knowing our purpose, knowing why we're doing something um, and being empathetic. So when we lose it with a kid and we're like, ah, it's common sense, having that empathy of like, Ugh, that is not how I want them to deal with someone. And now I'm dealing with them that way. Yep. I think just, that's such a hard good. thing because oh. I think at camp, we get to do this in a, an environment where we've stripped everything else away. You know, there are no cell phones. There are no after-school activities. I don't have to worry about getting dinner on the table. You know, I don't have to do the laundry. Yes, families, we do laundry at camp, but, yep. you know, not like we do back home. You know, so we strip all that stuff away. So we can be more patient and we can actually spend some time and the energy to be empathetic instead of saying, say you're sorry, move on. It's yep. uh, let's think through this and let's see where it goes. Mm -hmm. But back home in our, in our lives, there's so, so much going So exhausting. And that is, I want to make it really clear. It's not like, and my kids would be the first. It's not like every time. I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, you know, it's not, let me just. Well, that's why you saved the card. Yes. Because <laughs> it worked that time. <laughs> right? It is not like every time Jolly is really like, uh, I would say I'm relatively patient. Do I lose it? Absolutely. Um, you know, I have moments. I have moments at work with staff where I'm like, oh, that was I hope one of the things, because I really try and keep that purpose and really think about it, is one of the things I would say is the intentionality of going back. Like, even in the, like, busyness, like, I, you know, this morning, when I'm about ready to have this conversation with my daughter, I was able to stop myself in that moment. There are other times when exactly what you say, everything else, you know, there's a meeting I have to get to, whatever, and I don't, I may just go at it. I hope that sometime during that day, it's never too late. Even two weeks, you know, if you're thinking about how you acted to someone, whether mm -hmm. it's your own children, it's never too late to say, I'm not sweeping away what they did as 
like, well, that it's fine that you didn't do the laundry or it's fine that you were rude. I not so it's it's my reaction to that because it's not how I want you to be. And right. I am modeling and parents are modeling all, all the time, all, all the time. time. Yep. And um and we know this because um as you get older and you hear your own parents come out of your mouth, you're like, oh my gosh, <laughs> if if that is not a a uh, indicator of how powerful our our own parents were in modeling for us. Mm-hmm. To me, that every time when I hear <laughs> I hear my mom come out of my mouth, I'm yep. like, oh, yep, she yep. was definitely impactful. And the same things are happening with our own kids. Well, so. it's interesting. One of the other things that you talked about at the conference was conflict is growth trying to happen. Mm-hmm. And I hear just in your own sons, and, and certainly I see it in myself, there's conflict within me. And I'm trying to grow just as much as there's conflict between me and, you know, my sons when they're, they're doing something wrong or my campers when I'm trying to get them to change behavior, that conflict is really trying to have have that growth happen. Mm -hmm. For sure. And I mean, the interesting thing is, is you've been a dad now for quite a few years, Mm -hmm. but you've not necessarily been a dad. You know, I say to my kids, like, this is the first time that I've been a mom for a 17. My yeah. Like literally just turned 17 like yep. a week ago. Yep. And this is the first time that I'm a mom for a 17 year old. Mm-hmm. So I am growing in that. Like, and then I have a daughter. So I have a son and a daughter. So now the, what my son did at 14 is not the same thing as my daughter. And even if you have two sons, it's not the same. Like, right. so I have never been your mom or your parent. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, so I'm not an expert in it. It's not like I had 10 of you of the same exact one. And I got to try over, you know, like we might in a job, right? right? In a well, job where you in- get to try Again, but in the camping industry, yeah. you're dealing with people, not, you know, cogs where it's the same square that you're putting the peg into or whatever. It's people who are going to change and, and the dynamics change all the time. So what, because you're right, we don't get to be parents of our children until we actually, they, they get to be that age. And yet, as camp people, we've been working with kids, you know, of all ages for a very long time. And, and even when I say all ages, and they're not kids anymore, but our staff members up to 22, yep. 23 years old. So in some ways we've got kind of a sneak preview mm-hmm. of what that's I would, like. I do. I would say that's totally me. And this is what my parenting, my kids will sometimes be like, we're total guinea pigs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally true. But I, it might be the other way around. It may have been the camp kids who were guinea pigs for my yeah. own kids. Absolutely. But um, I absolutely, we, we have this insight into how lots of different kids behave, right? In a way that especially when it's overnight camp. And and Mm -hmm. I I would say day camp too. I don't want to say that they don't, but I think when you have the entire gamut of the day um, from waking up to going to bed to those restless nights when someone's not feeling well, you do get such an insight on how it's not like you can have in one day the same issue and 20 different outcomes, 20 different ways of reacting to that. Yes. It's actually infinite. I mean, I'm saying 20, it's infinite because- you put all the different like personalities and issues that are happening. Context. Yeah. Yep. It's what, what do you think you've learned most working with children, Mm. you know, and and the young people in terms of how it's, it's changed your parenting or influenced your parenting. Mm. Mm -hmm. I think I have, I, I will say I have much more empathy for parents. Mm. So before I had children, I would be like, why are they doing <laughs> Why would a parent do that? Like, oh, I, I could have told people how to parent their children, like nobody's business before I had children. Right. And now I, I, now I have much more empathy, like, oh. So I think <laughs> one of the things um, 
that, I mean, I had a huge aha moment when my son was three, I believe it was, he was about three. And you know, working at camp, uh, that's 80 hours a week. I mean, it is an incredible amount of work. This is not, um, you know, and so because my work is flexible during the winter, Mm -hmm. I was, you know, I have a home office. Uh, the kids are at home. I, you know, I did have someone who came in and and, and worked with them so I could, I could focus on work, but it was super flexible. If they had something, uh, you know, if I wanted a break to take to the park or go for ice, I mean, it was so flexible, but in the summer I I had to be, like you said, all in all the time. I, I didn't. And one of my biggest things that I would see parents do that I'm like, why would they do this? Is like, You'd be at the grocery store, you see parents out with kid, little kids too late or giving them, they'll cry and they just give in and give them what they want. And I'm like, sure. oh. um, that summer when my son was three and my daughter was an infant. So she was going to bed pretty regularly still. I came home, we to back our, to our cabin. My husband was there. We have a two book rule. Always go mm-hmm. to bed. Two books. There's no like more, more, please, sure. please, please. Two books. And um, I've been working. Like I don't get to see him. I was missing him. And so he wanted another book. And I'm like, okay, right? Because it was my need, <laughs> not his. Right. I need to be able to see him. And he yeah. was kind of clingy and whiny and crying. And I'm like, no, I just want to have fun with him because this is my little window to read these books before he goes to bed. And so I did, I don't know. And of course, as soon as I did the third, he wanted a fourth. And then I yeah. did a fourth. And then it just filed. And when I left, he was in tears and crying and upset. And I came home that night. My husband's like, what are you doing? Because I'm the one that's really like... and he's like what are you doing like why would you do that and I'm like what do you mean and then it just like boom and I was like this is what those parents who are working 60 hours three different jobs you know it doesn't matter what socioeconomic if you're working in a law firm you know 70 hours a week you give them what they want you're with them whenever you can Mm -hmm. or you're at the other end of socioeconomic and you're working three jobs trying to figure out how to do it so you're at the grocery store at that time with your kids because what and I that's impacted me more than anything is that change of working with these kids and having this um, ability to empathy. It's just empathy. And just yeah. knowing that we all come from different places that our common sense at home is different. And yeah. so when these kids come to camp, um, again, all, I think all parents want their kids to be successful and kind. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's this lens that we see our children through regardless, like, even if we know, oh, they can be a little stinker. It's like, we want to believe the best of them. And so in working with kids, I really found what I learned with my own kids is that they can be, it doesn't matter Mm. what your values are. They're getting tested at camp. Mm -hmm. And that if I want them to really grow, I have to believe when someone tells me like they, they were struggling you know, they didn't make the best choice because camp is where they're going to learn how to make those. And if I deny that and say, Oh no, I'm sure they wouldn't do that. Right. So at school, when a parent or a teacher would call me and say like, Oh, just by the way, you know, I had an incident with my son in like fifth grade that I remember like mortifying. Like my first thing I wanted to be like, there is no way he would do that. Our values are so not that. (laughs) And, but by working with kids at camp where I know that's not the parents, but like, I know that the parents aren't like, well, we're okay with that. Mm -hmm. But what I would watch is parents deny that. And then they deny the growth of the child because in the the, the child's like, Oh, I can get away with that. So apparently my parents do value that, right? Mm -hmm. It's not like I'm saying be mean to other kids or whatever, but if we deny, if we say to this teacher or the caretaker, like, Oh no, mm -mm, I do not. And get on the phone with my kids and say, I don't know why they're doing this to you. And why you think that we're denying growth that really Mm -hmm. needs to happen. And, um, 
it doesn't mean we have to shame our child, but we can say, you know, you made a, a decision. Yeah. It was a bad choice. Uh, mommy still loves you so much. And I yeah. know that you feel bad. I mean, I can see it. You're crying. You're upset. You're angry at this other person, the teacher, mm-hmm. the whatever, yeah. because they called me. But we're working together to make sure you're going to be the best version of yourself. This is not the end. This is the this is like a growth starting to happen. Yeah. So I learned that really to make sure. So when that teacher called me in fifth grade, uh, bit my tongue. And instead of, you know, being, I mean, I naturally, I think I was still embarrassed. I can't say I stopped that emotion of, sure. oh, well, I wasn't, I was embarrassed. And yeah, uh, but that helped me to know that I wanted to make sure my kids had that opportunity to have that kind of growth as well, mm-hmm. right? The kind of growth that is hard. And, and to even say, if they came to me and say, mommy, I really didn't do that. I promise you. Then we could talk about the perception. Well, someone thinks you did. There you go. Right. Right. So I, because I wasn't there, what we have to think about is why they would think you would do something like that. Right. What could it be? Are you hanging out with some kids who maybe did do it? And Mm -hmm. you, did you not say anything, you know, so we can have lots of conversations instead of being like, you're right. The teacher or the camp Mm -hmm. director or whatever, they're awful. They're horrible. You know, it's a conversation. And then we can go back if there's really uh, to help the child go back to that teacher or to that camp counselor and say, okay, we've had a discussion. We're not saying that this did or didn't. I wasn't there. I just want you to hear his or her perspective. Um, And then, and and then at least teach them to advocate for themselves, Mm -hmm. et cetera. So I just, that was a big thing I learned. Yeah. That's such a gift from our standpoint is because we can have those experiences in the different contexts and we can Mm -hmm. see how kids make poor decisions. And like we say all the time, we only have good kids at camp whose behavior sometimes gets out of whack. Right. And we just have to help them mold that behavior back in and then deal with all the corollary issues and context surrounding that going forward. Yeah. And I think camp is a great place for them to make those mistakes, right? We don't want them to, but until again, growing pains, there's a reason there's a pain to grow through that. So they're <laughs> testing boundaries, aren't they? Right. So at home, there may or may not be boundaries. Um, mm-hmm. And we say may or may not be boundaries, but I think there are boundaries no matter what. They just may be really wide for some kids, yep. right? And for mm-hmm. others, really tight. And so when they get to camp, we have a different set of boundaries. And that's again, where we would say, well, this is common sense. Well, again, it's not because we, the boundaries and the expectations set at their homes right. are all different. And we are trying to create that common sense, but that's that setting up the expectations, helping kids know why, mm-hmm. right? So at home, they may not have to clean their room every day, Yep. right? Maybe right. never, who knows? Sure. But at camp, at least at my camp, we have cleanup every single day. Right. Um, and we talk about this at staff training, like how many of you make your bed every day? Right. And a couple of hands will go up. Uh, how many of you sweep every single day or take the trash out every single day? <laughs> and most people know, including myself, like I don't sweep every single day. I don't right. even take the trash out unless the trash gets filled. Yep. It just stays there until it's full. Sure. Um, but at camp, trash gets taken out every, every day. day. We sweep every day. We make our beds every day. Why? And that's the question. And we take it back to the kid. Why? To, and to the staff during orientation. Mm-hmm. Why is that important? Mm-hmm. Um, and we talk about the fact that at home, we don't have to, we have really big cabins. We don't have 22 people living in one sure. space, right. like four, six. Yeah. So what happens if after one day or even two days, none of that happens, mm-hmm. right? And we lose things or things break or they're just so disgusting. You can't even move in there, right? Yep. Then it's like, it, again, 
I guarantee you, nobody, after we explain the why, are the counselors like, wow, and <laughs> they put their Mary Poppins smile on and do it. Like, that is not what I mean by that. But at least they have an understanding of why and there can be a conversation when it's not happening. So again, yeah. that is not, when we're having this, it's not like all of a sudden, <laughs> now everyone's like yeah. whistling, they're happy while they work or anything. Well, like it's funny. I, I'm even thinking when you talk about the expectations at home and, and how much leeway you're given or, or space you're given from a standpoint of picking the right camp for your child, Mm -hmm. you have to understand what that camp's set of expectations are and then balance it, you know, compare it versus yours and say, all right, is that going to be a good fit? Is that where I want to go or not? I never even thought about that way, but that makes total sense. Yeah. I think there's a lot of those kind of things, you know, uh, Michael Thompson actually up in, um, Mm-hmm. Uh, New Hampshire, the Bo- yeah, Boston. He, Boston area. He actually uh, does a lot of of that that I talk to prospective parents about, um, and his is um, based on gender in particular mm-hmm. is what he talks about, and giving kids the opportunity to have a co-ed experience or a single sex, uh, mm-hmm. depending on what they have during the school year. Sure, because he says that that's, and I would say that's the same thing. But it's then talking to your kids about why that's the camp you chose. So let's say at home, they're super scheduled. And so you're wanting a camp that's not super scheduled, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so you can, you could want the opposite, but then it's definitely like, so if you have a really scheduled kid and you're like, you know what, we just want a lot of free choice for our kids during the summer. We want a little downtime. They need to know that, right? Because they need to know, like they've come from a structured, really structured school year. And the kid, even if they're seven years old, they can understand that. Kids are smart. Like, here's why it's important for you to go to camp or vice versa. You know, like we'd like a little bit more structure, our house, or, or we want the exact same. You know, we want, we we have a structured house. We want them to have, it's fine. But I I think it's- Understand the why, why you're choosing that. Yes. And have your kid be involved with that. And I think that helps, um, you know, I'm not necessarily big on kids deciding which Mm -hmm. camp they should go to. I- right. We can have a whole other discussion about that. <laughs> um, I think we, we do not, you know, let our children decide what school they're going to go to, what doctor they're going to see. I mean, I right. think, yeah. I, I think, you know, I'm a little, but I do think we, we do explain to our children um, in so many words, I hope why they're going to the doctor, yep. why they have to go to school. Um, mm-hmm. And I think we should do the same. If we think camp is super important, why they should be going to camp. So we're, yeah. I'm starting to get on a whole nother topic there. <laughs> well, I get so excited. And it's all, of, it all comes down to that, like growth through conflict because camp right. is, is, is helping with that. I think more than anything, more than having fun, which they will have tons of fun at camp. Oh, totally. But I think we put the emphasis on that. And then when kids don't have fun, they're like, wait, I'm not having fun. Right. right? So camp's awful. Right. So we don't talk to kids very often. And that's why I think of Michael Thompson, because he wrote that homesick and happy yes. uh, book. And, and I think it's a great conversation to have your kids say part of the reason, and I, this is my reason, this is my, why I think camp is important, even for my own children is that, um, I want, I, no matter, even though I parent pretty hands off, letting them advocate for themselves, mm-hmm. um, having to do those things for themselves, uh, mm-hmm. starting around fifth grade, you know, yep. you're going to go talk to the teacher. You're going to, I will help you through it. You know yep. what you want to say, but it's, it's your responsibility. There are still moments that I just want to mama bear it and do it all. Totally. Whereas when they go to camp, I can't, right? <laughs> uh, well, I can, yep. but right. that's, that's like the phone. But as a parent, I think the most important thing is allowing a place for them to have the conflict and to test the values their own values, your family values. It's yeah. such an important place. And camp could do that. And it helps those parents like myself mm-hmm. who want to do everything and make sure everything's really good for their kids. Right. It helps us 
they go, take they a go step do back. it. Take yep. a step back. So it's not about shipping your kids off or sure. it's about allowing them to have the conflict uh, in order to grow and yeah. to test these things. I mean, who wants their kids to start testing things when they're 19 at a college? I mean, oh. that's right. That's like <laughs> the most frightening idea to me ever. Now, if parents are able to do it at home, but I think most parents aren't, they're not letting their kids have tons of independence, no matter what age they are. And so camp is a safe environment where they can do that. And they can do this, this idea of, of but explaining that to them, the reason we're sending you to camp right. is because this is a great place for you to practice, you know, be without mom and dad for one week, two weeks, seven weeks, whatever it is mm-hmm. and whatever works for their family. But, uh, I'm not sure that's what parents think. I mean, I, I think that's what they th- should think. See, here's me telling you like, oh, I have much more empathy and not telling parents how to parent. And here I am <laughs> telling parents how to parent. All right, here. Well, but it, it's good advice. I mean, and it's what we see from our, our view of, of educators at summer mm-hmm. camp mm-hmm. is more the kind of the life skills, independence, the growth versus, you know, the academics, which amazing teachers, thank God they're doing what they're mm-hmm. doing. Um, we just get to educate from a different standpoint and it's probably more closely related to parenting than it would be to, to teaching in the classroom. Absolutely. Um, and I think more important for these generations, the past few generations than ever, mm-hmm. than any generation, I will say maybe the first generation of, of campers to go when camps were being started to get, you know, kids out of the uh, inner city, you know, yep. like, Yep, the, the whole reason camp, yeah, that, yep. that they were trying to keep them safe physically. Sure. Now what we're trying to do is, of course, keep them safe physically, but to help grow those soft skills, that, that emotional intelligence. Absolutely. And I think um, it's more important now than ever because we just as a society have not allowed for that to happen anymore yep. um, independently. So yep. now... Now, luckily, we have camp. Not now. We've always had them. <laughs> but now do. this is a place we could do that. So. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. So, Jolly, unfortunately, the, the fire is getting a little low here. Yeah. Um, and, and I absolutely love this conversation. If people wanted to reach out to you and, and learn more from your mm-hmm. standpoint, I know you do a lot of coaching and teaching throughout the year. Yeah. What's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Well, they can email me. And it's mm-hmm. Jolly Corley at Gmail. And it's J-O-L-L-Y, just mm-hmm. like Jolly Old St. Nicholas. And the last yep. name's Corley, C-O-R-L-E-Y. Yep. And it's at gmail.com. I also have a website that's just jollycorley.com. So I'm happy to have people um, contact me with questions or ideas or thoughts, or even if they want resources like the Mm -hmm. Michael Thompson's, uh, if it's a parent um, with the... um, Well, speaking of resources, this is a question I I didn't prepare you for, but I always like to ask. What other books we talked about homesick and, and happy from Michael mm-hmm. Thompson, which is amazing. And, and to me, it's not even a function of if you send your child to camp, it's, it's a good idea to read that book so that you can understand the importance of uh-huh. pushing outside boundaries and, and uh-huh. comfort zones. What other books or, or blogs or websites kind of jump out at you as, as really useful? I would say there's a couple of things and it's um, that have really helped me both mm-hmm. as a parent and professionally. And one is Bill George's uh, True North. Okay. I really, uh, I use a lot of it with my own children mm-hmm. um, and I use it at camp a lot with the staff who then, you know, are using ideas out of that book. Um, it's an older book, but I just, mm-hmm. I, he really looks at the idea that professionally and personally, we should be the same person, right? Okay. Rather yeah. than having these different identities and different ways that, you know, we have different identities, but acting different in those ways. I really like that. Um, another book is, um, 
Sindra Camp, Campoff. I think that's her name. She wrote a book. I think it's called True Grit. Okay. Um, and it's, it's more to do maybe with sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think in kind of a sports-obsessed uh, society that we are, um, there are some good things in there for us as parents. Um, uh, but also to use with our children, like to even just share a chapter. Um, again, that's when you have a teenage or, you know, late sure. elementary, you, when they're younger, maybe putting some of those things into practice. If you want them to have true grit, if you want them to have kind of a true North, which is what uh, Bill George is talking about, where they really know their purpose. Yeah. Um, but for me, those are two books that I really, really enjoy awesome. um, and use every single day. That's great. I'll put all three of those books we talked about up on the show notes. So thank you. Well, Jolly, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time sitting around and sharing your your wisdom and your experience. Yeah, we'll we'll do it again. I'd love to have you back. Super fun. Thanks so much, Paul. All right. Take care. I hope you had as much fun listening to Jolly as I did. Camp has certainly taught Jolly a lot, and her generosity in sharing those lessons is certainly something to be admired. If we can all take a bit of time to be more patient with ourselves first— and then be patient with our children, our students, and our campers, the better off we'll all be going forward together. I don't know about you, but I'm going to be spending some time this week thinking about the why behind a lot of our home's expectations so that my boys will at least understand, even if they don't agree. Thanks for taking the time to listen. If you found this conversation useful, I'd ask you to do two things. First, please pass it along to a friend. The lessons of summer camp can be applied to so much in the real world, and our campfire circle is large enough for everyone to join in. Secondly, please leave a review on whichever podcast service you're using. The more good reviews helps us spread the ideas. Well, that's enough for today. Until we talk again, do good and be good. Thanks again to our friends at Scope for sponsoring the Campfire Conversation podcast. Scope stands for Summer Camp Opportunities Promote Education. They provide children from underserved communities with life-changing opportunities through the experience of summer camp. Scope campers benefit from a positive, safe, and healthy environment led by excellent role models who give them the chance to develop their full potential. We both believe that summer camp reinforces what children learn in school and enhances overall academic learning. If you would like to help give some wonderful children a life-changing experience, I hope you'll join me in supporting Scope. You can find them online at scopeusa.org and on social media at support scope.